Good evening. This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Gianna Ramirez. And I'm Mothez Jabir, a Palestinian American. I love sharing that this program is being broadcasted from unceded Tiwa land. I love that we acknowledge that too. Tonight, we bring you an important interview from our friends at the New Mexico Dream Team as they give us an update on immigration concerns and deferred action for childhood arrivals, or DACA. GJ is committed to keeping our community safe, so we bring you important messages and updates on the latest COVID-19 and vaccine information. We also want to share just some of the amazing happenings going on in our community right now, so please stay tuned to our events calendar. The songs we have selected for you tonight uplift and inspire us, and we cannot wait to share them with you. We start with Give It Your Best by Indra Rios Moore, who is a Black indie artist from New York. I'm not jaded, just a little bit tired. Not giving up, just taking a rest. No one ever said that this would be easy. Life is just about giving it your best. Life is just about giving it your best. Give it your best, give it your best in love of mine. Give it your best, give it your best. Just a little bit tired. Just give me a minute, I'm taking a rest. Oh, I know that this never was meant to be easy. This life is just about giving it your best. Mm, this life is about giving it your best. Giving your best, give it your best. your best and you will be fine you will be fine you will be Best. Give it your best, 
Matas, have you been keeping up with what's going on with DACA? Yes, and it is so complex. So I am glad that we are joined by our friends from the New Mexico Dream Team, which is a statewide network committed to creating power for multi-generational, undocumented, LGBTQ+, and mixed-status families towards liberation. Their area of work include field organization, advocacy, educational and economic justice, healing, and serving immigrants within the queer community. We hear from Eduardo Esquivel, co-director of the New Mexico Dream Team. He has been with the New Mexico Dream Team since 2015 and has worked on training and curriculum development with a focus around education equity and racial justice. We also hear from 22-year-old Saihan Rivalcaba, a college student at the University of New Mexico from Zacatecas, Mexico. He came to the United States in 2002 and was raised in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He discovered the New Mexico Dream Team at the age of 16. Here is GJ intern Adriana Cordova speaking with Eduardo Esquivel and Saihin Rivocaba. We hope you enjoy. This is Adriana Cordova with Generation Justice, and I am speaking with Eduardo Esquivel, the co-director of the New Mexico Dream Team, and Saihan Rubacaba, Leader for Change Fellow with the New Mexico Dream Team. Guys, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I'm so excited that you guys are here. Please tell us more about yourselves. I was originally born in Chihuahua, Chihuahua, Mexico. I came to this country with my family when I was seven years old. I grew up here in Albuquerque and was undocumented for 22 years. Uh, I recently adjusted my status, so I'm now a legal permanent resident, um, but I have been organizing and the immigrant youth movement for almost 10 years now. I started out as a member of the UNM Dream Team, uh, eventually became education justice organizer, uh, then became programs manager, and now I'm one of the co-directors of, of the organization. Um, my passions for me are, you know, uh, youth leadership development and racial justice. I think if we can get to the root causes of uh, racism and all of the different isms in, the, in this country, we'll get to a solution of so many different issues like immigration. And so that's, that's what drives me. And, and I continue to, to work in this movement as we move forward closer and closer to, to liberation. So, hello everyone. My name is Eugen Rubalcaba. I'm 22 years old. I was originally born in Zacatecas, Mexico, but my family migrated to Santa Fe, New Mexico when I was two years old. So, I was raised up there. Um, I went to Capitol High School uh, in Santa Fe, where I graduated from in 2019. 
Um, but during that time is when I discovered the New Mexico Dream Team uh, when I was around 16 years old. And ever since then, I've been a, a member with the New Mexico Dream Team. Um, always like, I, w I used to be like here and there and sometimes I like kind of took a step back. But now as a, as a college student and as, a, as I grow up, I realize that there's a lot of uh, work that I can do or leadership that I could um, put on myself because I know that I've uh, had these experiences with the New Mexico Dream Team that other individuals haven't. And I know that I have a, a power that I can contribute to the New Mexico Dream Team and to my communities in order to create change. Yeah, thank you both so much for sharing more. Uh, please share more about the history and mission of the New Mexico Dream Team. Yeah, so the New Mexico Dream Team started as a statewide organization in early 2014. We have grown from just students here uh, in central New Mexico to now chapters, 20 chapters throughout the state. We have middle school, high school, and college campus-based chapters, which all work to to change and eliminate systemic oppression. We have campaigns from as small as uh, campus-based and as large as uh, national and the federal government. Locally and at the state level, we're fighting for protections for all of our immigrant, BIPOC, and LGBTQ New Mexicans. And at the national level, we continue to fight for immigration reform so that all 11 plus million undocumented people in this country have a pathway to citizenship. Awesome, thank you so much for sharing. And can you share a little bit more about what resources you offer the community? Yeah, first and foremost, the New Mexico Dream Team is about grassroots organizing. So we bring in people, find out what our shared problems are to come up with shared solutions. We engage in leadership development with young people, starting from middle school all the way to college age. Uh, and we um, engage in policy change and narrative shift, you know, to change the, 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 the barriers that we face. We also partner up with other organizations to provide uh, legal assistance and support um, for folks in renewing their DACA and looking for other uh, immigration relief. Uh, we've recently worked with uh, our partners at New Mexico Immigrant Law Center to uh, change the age limits for the special juvenile immigrant status. So now folks can apply for that up to 21 years old when it was previously at 18. Um, and so that's just one example of, of the policy change that we've made recently um, to provide more protections here in the state of New Mexico. We host DACA renewal clinics at our office in collaboration with the Santa Fe Dreamers Project. But the bulk of what we do is grassroots organizing uh, and power building so we can change systems and structures here in the state of New Mexico. Yeah, that's awesome. I think the work uh, that you are doing is amazing. And I want to thank you for helping us understand a little bit more about that. Uh, Sahin, can you tell us about your experience being a member of the New Mexico Dream Team? Yeah, definitely. So in high school, I never told people my status because uh, you know, it was just something that didn't seem natural to me. Um, I just felt like oh, I didn't really like have a grasp understanding of what it meant to be undocumented until I started applying for like scholarships or like to colleges and stuff like that. And I would see like my my peers have their like 
open up their their FAFSA, obviously, and like being able to fill it out. And that was something that I couldn't do. And um, I think that's when I started uh, really understanding that I was in, in the correct spaces where I should be. And I was kind of desperate at one point to find a space that offered um, resources for myself. And that's when I met uh, one of the organizers back then in Santa Fe. Her name is Janet Antillon. She would go to Capitol and she would host meetings for the New Mexico Dream Team and for students to join. So I decided to show up one day and um, I was really enjoying it. Like I, I followed up with her. And then after that, she invited me to some of the other meetings outside of school and some of the events that they were having. And uh, ever since then, like I, it's been like one of the best experiences that I've had because I know that it was something that I needed in order to grow as a person because I would have been... I would have felt like I was trapped if I didn't have these resources that were offered to me. I know that every time I had questions, I would ask her or someone else from the dream team because I knew that they had answers for me in order to continue moving forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm really glad that you're able to find that space that you needed. Um, Eduardo, please explain the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA for our listeners. And uh, how many people does it impact? For many years, since the early 2000s, the immigrant rights movement has been growing in this country. And with the Obama administration, uh, we were promised some relief. That campaign told us that that administration was going to work to finally give us that immigration reform that we needed. Um, we pushed and pushed and nothing was coming of it until the movement confronted uh, President Obama at the time and demanded something for his administration to meet the promises that they made to get into office. What he ended up doing was signing an executive order um, called the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And this program announced in 2012 is two years of protection from deportation and to receive work authorization to eligible young immigrants. To be eligible, you needed to be at least 15 years old, you needed to have entered the U.S. before age 16, and you needed to prove that you have been continuously living in the U.S. since June 15 of 2007. You also had to prove that you were either enrolled in school, that you received a high school diploma, or that you were an honor honorably discharged veteran. You also had to prove that you had never been convicted of a felony, you had never been convicted of a significant misdemeanor, or three or more misdemeanors. And finally, that you could prove that you did not pose a threat to public safety or national security. So this is a temporary relief that has to be renewed every two years for a fee every two years. And so always temporary, and so folks have been in this sort of limbo since inception. Later on, in 2017, the Trump administration attempted to terminate the program. Since then, the program has been tied up in court challenges at the Supreme Court, district courts, and circuit courts. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like, you know, a lot of people have heard the word DACA, but don't really have a concrete understanding of what that means. So I want to thank you, um, for, you know, giving us that type of insight into what DACA is, its history, and um, where it currently stands as, um, 
as a resource for people. Um, Eduardo, can you help us understand what comprehensive immigration would look like and uh, what that effort will take? Yes. So just to start out, there's around 11 million undocumented people here in the United States that have no pathway to citizenship. And so when it comes to the argument around unauthorized or undocumented immigrants, folks generally talk about wanting people to do it the right way, quote unquote, the right way. The truth of the matter is that there is no, no pathway for the vast majority, those 11 million undocumented people to access a pathway to citizenship. And so there has been polling that's been done throughout the years. According to forward.us, 86% of American voters support giving dreamers or DACA recipients a pathway to citizenship. In addition to that, 53% of Americans say that immigration is a human right. And 72% of Americans agree that immigrants come to this country for jobs and to improve their lives. So there is a lot of confusion and a lot of different opposing motivations to provide some relief. But I think it's very clear that a lot of people, most Americans agree that there needs to be a pathway to citizenship and that there needs to be a more just immigration system. And so comprehensive immigration reform is an immigration reform that addresses all of the underlying issues that have created the immigration crisis we see this country in right now. And I wanna be very clear that this immigration crisis is manufactured by this government and by its inaction to change the immigration system. The last time that undocumented folks were given that pathway to citizenship was in the 80s. Since the 80s, there has been no change and no progress. Comprehensive immigration reform would be something rooted in the humanity of people and the human right to immigrate, uh, the freedom to move, and the freedom to seek a better life. This country had, has always had an immigration system that prioritizes the immigration of Western Europeans over everybody else. There have always been quotas or rules and regulations that make it a lot easier for Western Europeans or wealthier or immigrants from wealthier countries to be able to easily enter this country. When it comes down to its southern neighbor, Mexico, for example, there are very limited opportunities and opportunities for movement across have been limited mostly to labor relations. So allowing folks to come to this country to work, but telling them that they have to go back. This sort of immigration crisis, I would say, can be traced back to the Mexican-American War, where we say that the border crossed us, right? Mexican people uh, have been in this land since before it was the United States. Our families may have heritage of indigenous nations and, and indigenous peoples that were in, occupying these lands, living in these lands, since before these colonial and post-colonial empires existed. And so comprehensive immigration reform would build off of that understanding. Not only that, 
comprehensive immigration reform would address the fact that the people that are coming right now to the United States are coming due to the impact of American foreign policy, particularly in South America and Central America. Countries like Guatemala, El Salvador, and so many other countries in, in Latin America have been directly affected by U.S. foreign intervention, by U.S. meddling in their economies, creating economic crisis that leads people to find a better life. And so comprehensive immigration reform would address that. At the end of the day, what we want is something that is humane, that is accessible, and that is tied to truth and, and, and acknowledges the reality that we're living in right now and acknowledges the history that led up to this point. I think you know, comprehensive immigration is, you know, really what we need based on um, everything that you've shared and the history of what, um, you know, immigration has looked like in our country and everything. I really do believe that this would help so many people. So I want to thank you for uh, telling us more about that. Um, Sahan, can you help us to understand how DACA has changed your life? So in high school, I was like really desperate to start working because I would see all of my friends going out and like getting jobs and like buying their own things, you know, but I did, I wasn't able to do that unless I worked like uh, hard labor, which means in order to do that, I would probably have to step away from school. So it was either start working or go to school. And that was my only option. So I decided to stay in school and um, I, I will, I'm like really grateful for my mom because she's the one that urged me to like to apply for DACA. She's the one that took me to like the first ever clinic or something like that in Santa Fe. And um, yeah, so when I got the permit, I applied to a bunch of different places and I was able to like to actually get a job and do school at the same time. And for me, that felt like like I was normal, which I know sounds, I don't know, maybe weird, but it's like, it's a privilege to be able to like have uh, an income of your, for yourself when you previously didn't have that opportunity. I wasn't too sure if I wanted to go into college. And then after I received DACA, I realized that there was um, more opportunities for myself in college. And I realized that there was, that it was something that I had to do. And thankfully, well, I'm in college now and I'm pursuing a degree and just it really changed my mindset in order to like not be so close minded and not like limit myself to the small opportunities that that came to me and not be like complacent with what I had, but understand that there's more out there. And I'm really grateful for that guy, but I also understand that this is just a this is not this isn't a permanent solution to all of my problems and that's why i want to keep uh doing this work in order to find that permanent solution for myself and for many other individuals you know especially when talking about such important topics i think it is important to to make sure that we are listening to the voices of people that um, have had these experiences so thank you for that you know daca has been in the news quite a bit recently um, as was mentioned before what is important for our community to understand about proposed changes or threats to DACA at this time? 
when DACA was instituted in 2012, it was estimated that there were around 1.2 million individuals that met the criteria. At the program's peak, there were about a little over 700,000 DACA recipients. As of March 31st of this year, there were around 579,000 folks with DACA. DACA has allowed people to have a work permit and live with less fear of deportation. This is at least 579,000 people who are now able to work, who may have been able to get a car, get a house, you know, advance in their life, just like any other, any other person in this country. If DACA is taken away, it will have an extreme ripple effect across every sector of this country and everyone will be affected. And so I want to make it very clear that even if you don't think you know anybody with DACA, you don't think this is going to affect you, it is. This will reach everybody. Whether you know or not, you're not that far away from a DACA recipient or an undocumented person. And so when this, if and when this program gets taken away, it's going to have a ripple effect. And just like Saihen mentioned, we need a permanent solution. And so since 2017, DACA has been in the courts because of the Trump administration. The most recent news was September 13, when a judge in the Southern District of Texas once again ruled DACA to be unlawful. This, however, did not change anything in terms of where DACA was before. So even after this decision, DACA recipients are able to continue to renew. However, no new or first-time DACA applications will be accepted or processed. So just as was before, since July 16th of 2021, it's only been renewals um, for folks that already had DACA. This will continue in the courts and will end up in the Supreme Court. Once it ends up in the Supreme Court, we do not expect a positive outcome. We have seen how this Supreme Court has ruled on other issues. They are ex extremely right-wing and are not aligned with the needs of our community. And so we expect a negative decision from the Supreme Court. Depending on that specific decision, we will see exactly how it, it will play out. But like I said earlier, this will have a ripple effect across the entirety of the United States. And if protections are not instituted, there will be an economic and social crisis at many different levels. And so because of that, we need legislative permanent solution um, and a pathway to citizenship for all undocumented people, not just those that were eligible for DACA which again was around 1.2 million, 1.2 million out of the 11 plus million undocumented people in this country. Of course, I absolutely agree with that um, ending sentiment and I wanna thank you for that. And speaking of these changes and threats, uh, Sahed, how would they impact you and other DACA recipients? I know that when I first heard the news, it was like really late at night and um, I was kind of left in shock. Like, obviously it was a news that we expected, but 
it's always hard to like really like have that understanding that the one privilege that you get is going to be taken away from you or it, there's a possibility that it can be taken away from you and um it, it's really hard on on myself because it's what's been opening doors for me and I know that without it it might not I might not be where I am now but I know that because of the opportunities that I had, I don't know, I don't longer have to rely on it as much. And I know that there's more work that I can do in order to reach that next step, which is a permanent solution. Yeah, thank you for being, you know, open with us. Thank you for sharing that. After discussing all of this, what would you say DACA recipients need at this time? I know that these are scary times for all of us. And I know that it might feel like we're all alone, but in reality is that we're not. There's organizations out there that are willing to lend a, lend a hand to all of us. Um, I'm really grateful to be with the New Mexico Dream Team, and I'm really grateful that they've uh, helped me out throughout my journey as a DACA recipient. And I encourage more individuals to reach out to these organizations that have the willingness to put, it, to put the work that we need in, in our societies, in our communities, in order to create the change that is needed for all of us, not just for, the, for our youth, but for our parents, for the next generation, for everyone around us. Because like it was mentioned earlier, this, this doesn't only affect DACA recipients, but it affects everyone that's around us. And uh, I think we really need to encourage every single one of us to like really step up and understand that we are the ones with the power and that we can create that change. Yeah, that's such a powerful sentiment. I, I absolutely agree. You know, we're all in this together and it'll take, you know, all of us working together to, um, to be able to enact the change that we all need at this time. Um, and Eduardo, what are your hopes from an organizational perspective? You know, I hope that we continue to build power and we continue to change the narrative. I know we can uh, rely on y'all to help us with that narrative shift work and we need more people to join us. If you care about justice, if you care about your neighbors and no matter what you're passionate about, immigration reform is a climate justice issue. Immigration reform is a feminist issue. Immigration reform is a racial justice issue. There are so many intersections um, that exist within the immigration and the immigrant rights movement that there's space for everybody and we need you. We need everybody. We need you to help share the truth uh, about how the immigration system works in this country. Um, we need you to come join us to advocate and protect each other. Just like Saihen has mentioned, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take uh, as many people as possible. So we invite everybody that's listening to join us, to get involved, to get more educated, and to help us share the word. Of course, thank you for that. Um, and for those, uh, those in our community who are interested, where can people find more information about the New Mexico Dream Team? Folks can find information on our website, nmdreamteam.org. 
all of our social media. We're NM Dream Team or New Mexico Dream Team at, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. And they can email us. They can email us at um, info at nmdreamteam.org. Um, and we'll be in contact. Of course. Um, and as you know, before we start to wrap up, uh, is there anything else that either of you would like to add? I would say thank you for this opportunity in this space. And um, I hope that uh, folks will be moved and inspired to, to get involved. Yeah, I would also like to say thank you for giving me this time and space. Um, I know that my voice is powerful and I know that my voice has the ability to change narratives. And I know that uh, hopefully someone that needs to hear these words is out there and is willing to understand what we're trying to say. Yeah, of course. Um, I want to thank you both for, um, you know, firstly joining us today. Um, this is an amazing opportunity to be able to conduct this interview with both of you. But I also want to thank you for um, sharing everything that you have and, um, you know, helping me and hopefully our listeners have a better understanding of um, the immigration process in, our, in this country and, um, and DACA and you know the changes and threats that are impacting these things right now and why it's important that we care but also um, why it's important that we all understand that you know we're all a part of this like you said uh Sahan, it, it is scary times for all of us but um you know these are issues that affect everybody you know because of intersectionality and because of that is it's up to us to really band together um, because we're stronger, you know, we're stronger in a group than we are by ourselves. And, um, you know, to just give that message that, like, we can do this, that we can, uh, you know, make things better and things can be the way that we need them to be. Um, and I want to thank you both for, you know, highlighting that, for talking about that and giving, you know, personal accounts of what that means to both of you. Uh, for Generation Justice, I'm Ariana Cordova. Thank you so much, Eduardo and Saihan. It's amazing and inspiring how determined you guys are to making a better system for undocumented people here in New Mexico. With your years and dedication to this cause, it's so commendable that even in such a difficult time for DACA and DACA folks, and no matter all the odds y'all have faced, you still give and have given you're all to fight this battle. The New Mexico Dream Team has continuously done such an amazing job of creating a safe space where undocumented people can find some sense of normalcy and so much more. Again, thank you guys so much. It's truly an honor to have listened to your personal insights and guidance. Thank you so much, Eduardo and Zayhan, for sharing your personal experiences with us and for all of your dedication to helping our undocumented population here within New Mexico. The work of the New Mexico Dream Team is so inspiring and super powerful, especially during this time when DACA is really under attack. So thank you both for your advocacy and for helping us all to be better informed on current immigration issues. We'll hear Dreamer by JEV, chosen by our guest, Eduardo Esquivel, followed by Hestalares, by Natalia La Forcadai, chosen by Sayan Revocada.
You're tuned into Generation Justice's weekly vaccine equity segment. This is a segment where we let you know about COVID-19 and vaccination updates in New Mexico. Hey, Matos, have you heard about the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine option? Yes. On October 3rd, the FDA authorized the updated Novavax COVID-19 vaccine, which is formulated to better protect against similarly circulating variants. The vaccine has been updated to include the spike protein from the SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant and XBB.1.5 to prevent the spread of COVID and variants. Wow. Anyone 12 years and older previously vaccinated for COVID-19 and those who have not already been vaccinated with the recently updated mRNA COVID-19 vaccine are eligible to receive one dose. And those who are unvaccinated are eligible to receive two doses of the Novavax monovalent COVID-19 vaccine. To find more information about Novavax as a vaccination option, you can go to fda.gov. That's fda.gov. And go to the FDA newsroom and click press announcements. We would like to remind you that staying up to date on all of your COVID-19, flu, and RSV immunizations can reduce your chances of contraction, spread, and hospitalization. Matas, why are you vaccinated? I am vaccinated because when the vaccine came out, uh, it was during a time where both my parents were immunocompromised and the simple option for me was just to ensure their safety and to ensure the safety of family members who just wouldn't be able to handle this virus. So that's why I got vaccinated. Why are you vaccinated, Gianna? I'm vaccinated because when the vaccinations originally were very first rolled out, there really wasn't a lot of other options that I felt really ensured that I could keep the elderly family that I really wanted to prioritize seeing during that time safe. So that getting that vaccine was really a way for me to protect them as well as to protect myself. Um, and so I feel getting vaccinated is just really important because I feel with COVID, there's a lot of things that we can't control or a lot of situations that we can't really feel solid in our own protection. And so getting vaccinated is just that one thing that we can do that really ensures that we can protect ourselves and protect others as much as we possibly can from getting sick. I'm so glad that we can protect our loved ones and community. And remember that wearing your KN95 mask over your nose and your mouth can prevent the spread of airborne virus particles. We at GJ would highly suggest taking a look at the youth curated website, protectyourhoodnm.org. This is a website put together by youth leaders from across New Mexico during the 2022 Leaders for Change Fellowship. If you click on the tab on the right-hand corner of your screen called Updated Research, Data, and Analysis, you'll find information about COVID-19, masks, and research. Once again, you can go to protectyourhoodnm.org for more information. We hope that you found these COVID-19 and vaccine updates helpful. Now we'll listen to the song Brighter Days by Blessing Offer a song by Nigerian-American songwriter, singer, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. I know there's gonna be some brighter days I swear that love will find you in your pain I feel it in me like the beating of life 
in my veins I know there's gonna be some brighter days I know there's gonna be some brighter days There's gonna be some brighter days Mathas, I would love to learn more about some of the events happening in our state of New Mexico. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad to share with you and our listeners about this event. The National Hispanic Culture Center is having a weekly Cuban salsa course focusing on techniques, figures, rhythms, music, and body movements of Cuban salsa. You'll learn the most important fundamental patterns, steps, and musicality for the solid foundation and so much more. That sounds so cool. It happens every Monday. The basic basos are taught from 6 p.m. to 6.30, and figures and combinations are taught from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30. There's no partner or previous experience necessary, just a desire to learn, have fun, and dance with amazing people who are also interested in dancing casino salsa. The National Hispanic Culture Center is located at 1701 4th Street Southwest, and the class will be held in the rehearsal hall. For more information, look for Cuban Salsa on Facebook events. That's Cuban Salsa on Facebook events. You can also contact Jessica Montoya at 505-270-2226. That's 505-270-2226. Thank you for sharing more about that event. We'd like to take this time to let you know that October is National Depression Awareness and Screening Month. And 988 New Mexico is available as a 24-7 lifeline for emotional, mental, or substance misuses. It's okay to seek help and to talk to someone about it. You can get screened by your doctor or healthcare provider as a first step towards diagnosis and recovery. If you or someone you know is struggling with depression and needs to talk to someone, 988 is here for you 24-7 and you can call and text them anytime. If you'd like to get involved in the work that 988 is doing for our New Mexico community, you can visit their website at 988nm.org. That's 988nm.org. And go to the calendar of events tab on their website. From there, you can navigate to their resources and their programs. Once again, if you or someone you know is struggling with depression and needs to speak with someone, you can call or text 988. And please visit 988nm.org for more information about this program and how you can get involved in understanding mental health. And please remember that you are not alone. We'd also like to remind you that as you venture out to community events, make sure that you are remembering to practice mitigating efforts which keep you and your loved ones healthy. That's all for this week's community calendar. The next beautiful song is Hope by Arlo Parks. Hope is about having someone to lean on. Try to talk the pleasure back into being alive Reminiscing about the apricots and blunts on Pacamai We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank our guest, Eduardo Esquivel, and Sayan Wubogaba 
for educating and informing us on what is happening in our community. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Roberta Real and Barbara Ramirez with production assistance from Sunandita Santanam. And thank you to our interviewer, Ariana Cordova. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We cannot do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow our playlists on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, the New Mexico Department of Health, Infectious Disease Bureau, through the Better Together Program and Office of Schools and Adolescents Health. As well as Race Forward, Media Justice, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is Resilience by Rising Apalichia. I'm Motez Javid. And I'm Gian Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night. Trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at the table again and again and again, I'll close my mouth and learn to 